Do you remember as a kid, maybe, maybe you didn't play this, but as a kid, did you ever get to play like pretend games and you were pretending to be the queen or the king? And at my house, when I played with my sister, Laura, I have a sister who's two years older than me, one of us always got to be the queen and one of us always got to be the servant. And it was always um, interesting when we played those games, who got to be queen and who got to be servant. And so we'd, um, we'd try to make it fair. And by we, I mean she tried to make it fair by forcing us to take turns. And so I would uh, very slyly and cleverly have her be the queen first. Let's just get that over part, get that part over with. And I would be the servant and she would tell me what to do and I'd go do it. And one of the, the fun things about being queen is uh, when we played, um, we got to choose what we were called. What was our, our title? And so she would usually say something like, you know, your royal highness. Laura and I would have to come to her and and tell her what would you like me to do and um, and I would do that and I would roll my eyes when she wasn't looking and things like that and then it would be my turn and I got to choose my title and my title would be a lot longer than hers <laughs> my title was always a little more elaborate things like you know Sarah the beautiful Sarah the magnificent um, the the royal highness whom I I'm I'm so honored to serve and I would give her these long lines that she had had to say to me and it's funny looking back now because being in a position even if it's pretend but being in a position of power um, really brings out either the best in a person or the worst in a person. I'm not sure what that says about me <laughs> as a child, but um, it, it really does. When you're put in that position, uh, it brings out some, some of your character. And as we look at the story of Jesus, Jesus was in the ultimate position of power. He was in heaven with, his, with God, with his Father. He was living in community with God, and he, he was with God. He was God. He was the creator. And he chose to take that position and set it aside and come down to earth. And uh, it took the form of a human, a, a human child, very lowly, lowly position compared to what he had before. And he gave that up, and he had a, a very ordinary childhood, a very ordinary um, upbringing, until he was about 30. And when he was about 30, um, he began his ministry. And that began with his baptism. And, and even the beginning of his ministry was very grand, and yet, and yet he didn't um, take that, that place of power and position. Um, when he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came down in a dove and, and the heavens opened up and this big voice boomed, you know, you're my son in whom I'm well pleased. And, and his ministry began like that and the people heard it. It was a big deal. And yet he walks away from that beginning and he starts calling his disciples and they're just ordinary people. They're just fishermen. And he says, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And he starts revealing himself to these, to these people, teaching and doing miracles and showing his power through, through his miracles. And yet, um, we, we see, as, as Micah's pointed out throughout um, Luke, he tells his disciples, oh, don't tell people yet. Don't, let's just keep it quiet for a while. Let's just learn and, and live life together. Um, Luke, uh, Luke 9 is, is the big confession of Peter when, when Jesus asks Peter, who am I? And he says, you you're the Christ. You're the Christ of God. You're the Messiah. You're the one we've been waiting for. And Jesus says, awesome. Not, don't tell people quite yet. 
And so we've, we've gone through the life of Jesus, and now we've come to a passage where this is kind of like his big reveal. This is where it becomes really, really public, uh, who Jesus is. It's, this passage is often called the triumphal entry. It's when Jesus enters into Jerusalem, and he's hailed as the king, and it's very public. Um, this is often referred to as Palm Sunday, uh, the week, the Sunday before Jesus' crucifixion. So this begins the last week of, of his life. Um, and it's a really, it's a really exciting story. So I'm excited to get to speak on it. So let's go ahead and, um, and read the passage and pray over it. Uh, we're in Luke. Do we have it up there? Luke 19, verse 28. And we're going to go down through uh, verse, thir- uh, verse 40. It says, After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you untying it? Tell him, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner asked them, why are you untying the colt? And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus through their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. Let's pray one more time. Dear God, we just thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the story of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the truths that we can pull from it for our own lives. And God, we just ask that today um, you would help us to see you through this story. In Jesus' name, amen. So as I read this story, um, the first part really strikes me. Like he told them, what? He says, go into the village and just, you're going to find a colt, just a baby donkey. You're going to find that, that colt, and you're just going to untie it. And you're going to bring it to me. Talk about uncomfortable. <laughs> I would not want to be that disciple that Jesus um, uh, said that to. And yet it was a very memorable experience for them because they, in faith and in trust, did just that. They went in, and they untied it, and exactly what was expected happened. The owner's right there. And what are you doing? Why are you taking the colt? And he just said, um, the Lord needs it, which is interesting. We'll come back to that. But they came, they brought it to Jesus and they threw their cloaks on the colt and then they put Jesus on it. And then as he was riding up the road, they would spread their cloaks out on the road and Jesus would walk on uh, the cloaks. This is uh, one of the few passages, the few stories of Jesus that's told in all four Gospels. And uh, so this was Luke. The other Gospels, um, Matthew, Mark, and John, also tell this story. And they include that people also went out and they would cut the palm branches. And then with the, with the cloaks that they were laying out, they would lay the palm branches and kind of make this path for Jesus, for Jesus to walk on. 
And uh, I, I, this is a sign of royalty. So like a, a modern equivalent, if we had a modern equivalent, would be like the red carpet sort of thing. They were, they were showing him um, honor and showing that he was, he was royalty by, by doing this. And then as, they, as they're doing this, as he's walking along... Uh, it says, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. And they were shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So imagine the scene with me. Um, there's a large crowd, and I'm sure it's, it's drawing more people as it gets louder. <clears throat> Excuse me, as it gets louder and Jesus is, is, uh, is, is continuing to go down this, this path of, of cloaks and palm branches. It was a very different from earlier in scripture where Jesus says, hey, yes, I am the king, but keep it quiet. This was his moment where he wanted people to know who he was, and it was very, very public. And the crowd was just eating it up. They were just really, really excited about this. You see, um, Mike, Mike has talked about this as we go through Luke. Israel was um, under Rome at this time, and so they had been conquered. Their government had been squashed. I mean, they they had basically they were subservient to Rome, and they didn't like that. They were resenting that, and they wanted a king to come and throw out the Romans and conquer and build up Israel again. And uh, they had read the scriptures, and, and there's scriptures in the Old Testament that prophesy about this king is going to come, and this king is going to bring um, uh, restitution, and this king is, is going to free us. And so they knew of these prophecies, and they were holding on to them. And so what they were actually shouting, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, would have been one of these well-known prophecies about about this king. And it refers back to Zechariah 9. So in Zechariah 9, um, it says, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. He will proclaim peace to the nations. So as as we ask, why the cult? <laughs> why is he, why is he doing this? And we look back at the prophecy. You see Jesus fulfilling, um, the prophecy that was made about him, that he, that he was a king and he was going to come into Jerusalem. However, it wasn't going to play out the way the Israelites wanted. The Israelites wanted a king to come and conquer Rome and, and kick out the Romans. And, uh, this is really a, a story of contrast. Um, because what they, they were excited and shouting, this is the king. And Jesus is saying, yes, he's accepting that. Yes, I am the king, but it's not exactly what you're thinking. So there's a, there's some contrast here between an earthly king and Jesus as king. So when we think of earthly kings, and, and I have to think back to the few movies that I've seen, you know, with the kings and their armies and their horses, and like Caesar at the time had these large chariots that were just covered in gold, and they even had chariots who, um, usually they were pulled by a horse, but sometimes they were pulled by four, six, eight. There's even been um, instances in, in chariot races where they're a big chariot pulled by 12 different horses. And so they would come and they would show their power. 
were these horses and the chariots. They would have the armor, the big banners with the king's name on it. It was a big show. And of course, they had their weapons and uh, they were loud. And, and you can imagine the war cries and the force. And the whole purpose was to conquer the land and to subdue it. Um, and Jesus comes as king. And instead of riding on a horse and a, col- a, a horse and chariots, he rides on a donkey, which back then, it's more of a beast of burden. You you would use it. People rode them some, but it was more used to carry things, you know? The horse was the was what a, a noble person would ride. And that's still a colt, uh, a baby one. And then instead of an art with armor and banners and, and a big show, he, he comes in humility. Um, we're not told of any special clothing. Like I can imagine him just being ordinary, dressed in an ordinary fashion. And instead of weapons and force and war cries, he comes in gentleness and in peace. And the whole idea of a king coming to conquer the land and to, to force his way in, Jesus comes with the whole purpose to sacrifice himself for others at the end of the week. I mean, Imagine what he's thinking as he comes in. Yes, I am the king, but you don't you don't know what kind of king I am. This and this is part. This story is, is illustrates um, helps us to understand what kind of a king, what kind of a king he is. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, "Teacher, rebuke your disciples." And he says, "I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out." Just kind of a fun fun phrase, like. You, you can't keep this quiet. Even nature, even the stones, they're going to proclaim me being king. And, and as I reflected on this this week, we were in Lake Chelan and looking around and you can see this gorgeous lake and you see the rocky hills. I mean, I can, I can understand what he means by, by that. Even nature points to God. Even nature points, um, points to this. So what... What's the point of the passage, and what's our conclusion? What do we learn about Jesus? Um, I think this passage is all about teaching us that Jesus is king, but he's a very specific kind of king. He's a gentle and loving and peaceful king. And, and the fact that he's gentle and loving and peaceful, that matters, because we wouldn't really want to join forces with a king who wasn't gentle, peaceful, and loving. But this kind of a king, this is kind of a king that I could follow. This is the kind of a king that I would want to give myself and my life, uh, my life to. So, so what does it mean in my life? Or what does it mean in our lives for Jesus to be king? And there are three things that really jumped out at me. One is to celebrate him as king. So in, in the story, you see the people shouting and joyfully um, praising him. When I think of a king, I think of surrendering to the king. So I'm, I'm not the king. If there's a king, then I'm under the king. The idea of surrender and the idea of service to the king and serving, serving the king. So to celebrate him as king, um, even if I were to recognize that Jesus was God and Jesus was all-powerful and he was ruler, he had limitless power, it wouldn't necessarily give me cause to celebrate him. It would just be more of an acknowledgement. But to understand him as this incredibly powerful king, this ruler and creator of all, and then to also understand that he desires to know me, that he desires to know us, that he's gentle and loving, that he wants to be in relationship with us, 
that not only does he want to know us, but he wants to adopt us into his family and, and give us an inheritance both here on earth and in heaven. Now, that's cause to celebrate the king. That's cause to shout and um, to praise him. There's a scripture in 1 John 3, 1 that kind of uh, embodies this joy. It says, how great is love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. So this idea of if Jesus is my king, then in my life I want to celebrate him. I want to lift him up as, as king. Um, the second thing would be to surrender to Jesus. And sometimes when we hear the word surrender, we think of giving up and waving the white flag and you know, laying down at the feet of someone else. And, and I think of surrender in a different way here. Surrender to me is uh, relinquishing control to someone else, but it's an intentional. Intentionally, I'm going to lay down my control and take it at your feet and let you have control. Um, funny story, in, in Lake Chelan, we did a lot of jet skiing and we uh, did a lot of tubing and it was a lot of fun and I had my girls with us and there was one time where Micah pulled, I was sitting in the inner tube and with Rachel on my lap and Micah was was going to pull us. And Rachel was pretty nervous. Uh, I don't know if she's even ever done it before. That might have been her first time. And she kept telling Micah, Dad, don't go fast. Go slow. <laughs> and then she kept telling me, Mom, don't let go. Hold me. And I said, we got you, girl. We got you. Dad's going to drive. Mama's got you. We got our life vests on. We are good to go. And so Micah takes off, and he's going slow for inner tubing. He's going in a straight line. I mean, it could not be easier. There's a little water splashing in our face, but other than that, it was pretty calm, and she just starts laughing and giggling and just loves it, and you can feel her little body relax, you know? I'm holding her. And then we stop, and, and for a variety of reasons, including the tube, we didn't take the right pump, so it was kind of uh, deflated. It wasn't full enough. And then as we stopped, we were going slow, and so the waves were coming back. For whatever reason, water splashed up into the inner tube, and we sunk <laughs> right at the end. And so I do what anyone would do. I grabbed her and kind of pushed away from the inner tubes to make sure we don't get tangled up in it. And when we did that, it all happened in a split second. Rachel freaked out, and she's like hyperventilating, and oh, she can't even talk, and she's, she's moaning. And I'm right there. I'm like, Rachel, it's okay. We're here. Mommy's right here, and she's just got this fife grip on me, and her little legs are just kicking as fast as they can go. And, and she can't even talk. She's just panicking. I said, Rachel, it's okay. And she looks at the boat, and the boat's still going. And she's like, ah, you know. And, and I said, look, Dad's coming back. Dad, watch the boat. The boat's about to turn around. We couldn't have been in there a minute, you know. But she was really freaked out. She kind of settled by the end of it, but not, she was still wouldn't just relax and like lay back in her, in her life jacket. And I got to thinking about that experience. Aren't we a lot like that with God? Where something happens and we're just really uncomfortable. Rachel's case, it was the cold water, you know, and the fear of being out there, but really uncomfortable with what's going on. And God's like, I got you. You know, you got your life jacket on. I'm coming back. I'm right there with you. But we don't really, we haven't relinquished that control. So for me, when I think of surrender to Jesus, I think of letting go my sense of control that I have in my life. And whatever's going on, being it good, be it bad, be it easy or hard, I know, God, you've got me. 
and I'm just going gonna, gonna to trust that you've got me. And then the third thing is to serve him as king. So if, if, I'm, um, if God is my king, then his primary mission should be my primary mission. And one of God's primary missions is to restore people's relationships to him, to heal and to restore. Jesus says, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Last week, Micah talked about how um, Jesus came to seek and save what was lost. So if we're really surrendering to God, if if we're really celebrating him, then we also have to take on his mission and be committed to loving people the way he loves people, um, through self-sacrifice and giving of ourselves. So the invitation today is to recognize that Jesus is king of our lives and that he is a gentle and that he is a peaceful and loving king. And, And to celebrate him and to surrender to him and to serve him. So I, I ask myself, and I'd like you to ask yourselves, which of these areas do I need to work on more? Which of these areas would I really need to focus on this week? Uh, would it be to celebrate him more, to surrender more, to serve more? If you think maybe to celebrate Jesus more, if this is something you want to you wanna focus on, um, reflecting on his character and on what he's done. And, and thanking him for who he is. One of the things um, we do with our girls is we go on nature walks and just take walks and say, what, what, what do you see that you could thank God for? You know, that's a simple thing to do um, for ourselves and with our children. Maybe just to talk to someone and say, hey, let me tell you about something God's done in my life, just a conversation. Maybe it's to celebrate Jesus to, uh, this week. Maybe it's to surrender to him relinquishing our sense of control. Maybe it's uh, with our time. We need to surrender some time to God and say, hey, I've been really busy, and this is the time that I'm going to surrender to you this week. Or maybe it's how we make decisions, you know, what we base our decisions on, and say, God, okay, I'm going I'm to ask what you would do here instead of just what I want to do. Um, one of the big ones for me would be to surrender our fears, uh, the things that we stress over and, and have anxiety over. Maybe it's, you know, if the kids are going to get hurt or if this is going to happen right or our finances or whatever it may be, to surrender our fears to God. And the thing about surrender is it's not a one-time thing. It's a continual, everyday sort of thing. Definitely uh, requires prayer. It requires talking to God. And then the third thing would be to serve. How are you going to serve you want to focus on that, how could you serve um, Jesus through your actions, through your relationships this week? Um, It could be serving your family, it could be serving your community, someone at work, Um, but the idea of serving is loving people in tangible ways, not just through words, but really tangible, concrete ways. What can I do for others? Because what you do for others, you're doing for God. So our invitation is our invitation is to um, let Christ rule as King of our lives, and it's a daily commitment. And the cool thing about it is, um, there's such blessing in that. There's such peace and comfort, um, and and such um, depth of relationship found in walking with Jesus. And He is the King, whether we acknowledge it, acknowledge it or not. He is the one true king, and so he will continue continue to be king. So I invite you um, this week to recognize Jesus as king, celebrate him, surrender to him, and serve him. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much.
for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for being king. Thank you for being a loving and gentle and peaceful king. Lord, a king willing to sacrifice your life for us. Lord, we just um, stand in awe of your love for us and your gentleness. We're amazed that you want to be in relationship with us, and we're just excited to explore that, um, maybe for the first time, or maybe to go deeper with you and to really learn how to celebrate you and surrender and how to serve you in ways that we've never uh, done before. Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit to work in us this week so that we could truly exalt you as king of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.